Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. This is part of the Sports Business Insights from Gator Nation with the University of Florida Sports Management Program. Uh, fortunate to be joined by two Gators today, uh, one in Adam Jones, Chief Revenue Officer of the Miami Marlins, along with his colleague, Jason Latimer, uh, VP of Communications and Broadcasting for the Miami Marlins as well. So we've got double Gator, double Marlin action going on. Uh, really excited to dive into their career journeys along with uh, their experiences currently. And uh, obviously, we live in a, a world that's changing rapidly. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about creating change and also implementing change uh, as we go on. But, you know, to start, uh, Adam, Jason, welcome to the podcast. And we got to start off with your experiences in Gainesville. Jason, well, let's start with you uh, and just kind of your start from Gainesville out into the industry. Hey Jake, uh, thanks for having us. Um, yeah, I, I I was uh, I was fortunate to spend uh, my formative years there in Gainesville. I uh, wouldn't have traded it for the world. Uh, it was certainly uh, an environment and, and learning experience uh, that has carried on through the rest of my career. But um, you know, I spent my fair share of time at the swamp, just like everybody else, um, and Grog House, which I don't think either one are actually. Uh, in business anymore, but um, <laughs> it was uh, it was a great time, and uh, I was fortunate enough actually to be able to go back uh, when I worked for the football program. Uh, probably about I guess about thirteen years after I graduated, um, which was a presented an entirely different experience of uh, Gainesville and living there as an adult um, beyond just the while you're going to school there. No doubt, and and Adam, you had a little bit of a different experience. You were working at PWC while you went back to. Uh, UF uh, as you're a University of Tampa grad, um, but going to a little bit more east uh, within the state of Florida and getting your MBA. Yeah, hey, Jake, pleasure to join you. Uh, yeah, I think I'm the opposite of, of Jason in terms of uh, vesting into being a, a Gator, but still a pride, proud Gator nonetheless. Um, you know, had a year and a half in, in Gainesville pursuing my professional MBA while uh, working full-time uh, in the first stop in my career at PwC. And as you think about your journeys, um, what's the one lesson that you have learned from the educational experience that you've been able to take into your career journey path? Adam? I mean, my approach to learning is it's, it's a lifelong endeavor. Uh, and in terms of formal education, you only get out uh, of it what you put into it. Uh, and so very grateful for my formal education, uh, but there's a lot of self-study that also gets layered into, you know, the pursuit of, of, of understanding and, and trying to position yourself for uh, unique opportunities in, in your career. Uh, for me, um, you know, there was early on uh, a view that I wanted to be in, in the industry of sport. Uh, but exactly the role evolved, you know, uh, fairly quickly. And then uh, throughout my undergrad and, and even into my early parts of my professional career as to what my place within the industry could, could be. Uh, so having diversity in terms of, of background and then an experience, which is something I've coached a lot of, uh, you know, students and, and staff on uh, has been very important to uh, the path I've had through through the industry to this point. And Jason, that diversity of experience is important. 
you've stayed in the realm of communications, but let's be honest, that's changed rapidly. Uh, so you might as well call it you've changed industries, right? You go from uh, introducing social and digital media. It's, it's a wild world. Yeah, I was, I, I, so I started actually the journalism school and as an ad major. Uh, and I made it about a semester before I realized that was not going to work well uh, for me. So I switched over uh, to PR. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was in a class and I, it's a vague memory, but uh, I was in a class and there was a guest speaker who was at the time um, in communication and marketing for the Florida Marlins. And I, I kind of realized at that point that was a direction that I wanted to head. Um, so I was, you know, thankful for the opportunity with the connection with um, with a Gator that was able to come to class and give experience that really kind of led me in this direction. Um, and then, you know, just beyond that, I think just being able, like I said, when I went back um, to school and was able to kind of take in the, the atmosphere of the college and, and participate uh, a second time, I think that was, you really understand the importance and the value of, of being a Gator and, and the widespread uh, reach that that, that has in, in your career and, and in the industry. I think there's, if you look around, there's a lot of really successful Gators in this communications realm. And, um, you know, it, it teaches you to be um, adaptive uh, to your circumstance. And that's certainly what I've had to do, I think, as, as we've proceeded on, as like you said, the, the role of communications has changed. Um, I graduated with that uh, BS and PR and, um, you know, I don't really like the term public relations because um, I think it travels with somewhat of a negative connotation, just given the history of it. Um, but I think there's so much wider spread when you talk about communications and uh, what's involved with that. Yeah. And, and Adam, as you think about kind of the non-traditional path into someone would look at you and your seat and go, wow, chief revenue officer, you must have had all this sponsorship experience and this sales experience. But you took a, a different path through the consulting world. Um, and Jason, you even made a stop in, in the political world as well, right? There's, there's things that you can learn from the diversity of experience that uh, are invaluable. Absolutely. I think what we're finding uh, in, in sport today is diversity and background is, is, is valued. Uh, you know, we're rapidly evolving from, you know, the mom and pop, you know, small to, to mid-size mindset of, of what each of these organizations are uh, to recognizing that millions, if not billions um, in, in capital are being invested into uh, these organizations. And with that, you know, become, you know, comes a much higher set of expectations for, for performance uh, and ability to uh, bring in uh, more perspective uh, to not only how to operate uh, these organizations today, uh, but as conditions rapidly evolve around us, you know, how to set them up for success moving forward uh, has been very important for me. Uh, and yes, consulting uh, was a completely off the radar uh, starting point for, for my career. I uh, was fortunate to uh, get some experience in my undergrad with two teams based in the Tampa area with the Lightning and, and with the then Devil Rays. Um, but was introduced to the practice uh, at PwC that I joined after my undergrad uh, while still pursuing my undergrad. Um, and it unlocked uh, a wealth of, of experience and, and, and knowledge from me or for me as I was able to work across the leagues, both at the league level, down at the club level. Uh, my focus was here in the U.S., but uh, had a global reach uh, supporting the 
global network of firms at, at PwC. And so for me, uh, was plodding along in, in that career, you know, leading um, by the 15th year, the, the practice uh, in North America uh, focused on a lot of strategy work, a lot of thought leadership for the industry. Uh, but you know the opportunity here in Miami and uh, a lot of other opportunities that are uh, opening up across the industry uh, to bring all of that information and background and leading practice into one enterprise uh, was you know something that was very intriguing for me. I think too, just to piggyback off of what, what Adam was saying there, that that this is not a baseball team per se. I mean, this is an entertainment venture, um, and this is that's how we we refer to ourselves and that's how we, we position ourselves. Um, it's more than just, you know, the, the nine guys playing baseball between the lines, um, you know, 81 days at home a year. Um, it's much beyond that. And, and even right now, we don't call it an off season. We refer to it as a non-playing season um, because we still have, you know, uh, quite a bit of work to do. And, and, you know, that doesn't stop and that doesn't, you know, we don't, we don't just take time off to rest until the team gets playing again. Well, and, and let's talk a little bit about that because you see this time and time again, each team is kind of evolving into their own um, entertainment entity, right? You know, you see the Braves with what they've built outside with, uh, you know, Battery Park and you see the Giants with their district that they're building and the Warriors. Every single team is evolving a little bit differently in their own way, depending on how their city's set up and their culture and their community. But as you think about what you've done over the last couple of years in Miami, what's been the, the approach and the strategy and the thought behind um, what you are, are trying to do to position yourself for the future, uh, ultimately to, to be successful? And obviously it showed a little bit on the field, but there's a lot more than that uh, as well, you know, from, from the business standpoint. You know, so you know, our story here in Miami is, I think one of the more interesting ones uh, across you know the industry. Uh, this is a, a franchise uh, that you know has been able to develop a first generation of fans, you know, dating all the way back to um, you know its expansion year in '93, um, but in, in many regards still finds itself in in startup mode um, or expansion mode, and that's certainly the mentality that you know we've brought to uh, you know the creation of the new Marlins organization. Um, you know, there's that first generation of fan. We're entering, you know, close to year nine, 10 of, of the ballpark here in, in Miami uh, and still looking to establish and, uh, and grow a, a fan base. So while, you know, many uh, baseball organizations in particular are more mature in, in status, uh, we're still fairly early, uh, you know, in our development. Uh, so for us, it's about creating a business uh, that generates the resources that sustainably uh, can be invested into, you know, championship baseball. And, and that's the standard, you know, that we're striving to on, on the field. It's not about lightning in the, bo in, in the bottle moments, uh, but year in and year out competing uh, to the standard of, of, of champion. Um, for us to get there, uh, we have to be out in front of the baseball in terms of driving in the fundamentals and the best practices uh, to being a first-class organization uh, so that when uh, the, the, the baseball product as it is revealing itself already, um, you know, uh, 
is is maturing, then we're able as a business to to capitalize on that. But as Jason said, what I think the entire industry has recognized is it's much more than a product on the field. Uh, we're a form of entertainment, uh, more specifically live entertainment, um, and we're creating an enterprise uh, that's much more than just 81 plus states of, of Marlins baseball. Uh, we see ourselves as sport and entertainment, and we're building a lifestyle brand that can really thread across you know, the entire um, you know, resident and, and business community and have more of a 365 day uh, connection you know, with this community. Uh, and so that requires an entirely different approach and mindset to, to what we're building and what we're positioning uh, our brand and experience towards, which absolutely to, is to the baseball avid, uh, but there's been investments that we've already made as a new organization and our brand and the cost of attending a game and the experience of a baseball game uh, in content uh, to appeal to the social audience, the family audience, the more casual consumer, uh, and make sure that Marlins baseball is top of mind in terms of how they choose to spend their time and their dollar. Yeah, Jason, that 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 point that Adam just made, the storytelling aspect of things, right? You're trying to reach so many different diverse audiences. Talk a little bit about whether from the communication side and and the storytelling on the social and digital world or also the broadcasting, right? Where you're seeing um, you know, things rapidly change in terms of having to entertain people from home at the same time. Yeah, well, obviously this last year was an entirely different uh, experience of challenges. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, you know, just to, to come back a little bit to what Adam was saying too, is, is um, the word trust. We use the word trust a lot. Um, you know, I think we, we need to build trust and we started um, three years ago now, um, I think when, you know, when this, this current ownership group came in, um, you know, that, that we really, you know, it's, it's earning trust and it's earning, um, it's earning that, that eyeball and that view and that attendance um, that we have to, to set ourselves up for. And we've worked really hard to do that. And I think that, um, you know, we've, we've had to, to open some eyes and we've had to, to um, you know, really make some intimate connections on our own uh, in this community to really get people to, to, to recognize that it, it's it's a, a, a different experience now that this is a, a the Marlins experience is a different experience and there's sustained success that is a goal here um, and how do we share that with everybody so you know yeah you peel back the layers a little bit and you look at um, just our day to day media relations practices um, and what we've been able to accomplish on uh, our relationships that we've built with the local media and with the national media um, and then layer on top of that with the social um, and the the um, um, digital content that we're able to produce as well, where you really want to take fans behind the scenes as much as possible and really get them that intimate view of our, of our organization. Yeah. And you mentioned the new ownership group. So obviously that's where it all starts, right? Is the leadership from the top and, and um, you know, push down in terms of the, the thought, the strategy and so on. Um, Adam, what's it been like from a leadership perspective, you know, trying to help create that culture while you're changing, right? Cause you know, change is not easy for everybody and, you know, still keeping the culture intact and improving the culture day in, day out uh, is certainly not an easy task either. No, it's not. But I think as a professional, it's the one that, you know, gets me out of bed every day and uh, keeps me uh, 
excited about you know what's in front of us uh, you know change and and challenge i think is what produces growth and and development and as a professional you know this was that generational you know opportunity and that's what we've uh, rallied around as a leadership team and as we've onboarded uh, a lot of incredible talent uh, you know across our ranks uh, is that we're looking to prove out uh, you know the concept of professional baseball in, in South Florida and, and wholeheartedly believe um, you know that will be successful in, in, in doing so uh, but you know change is is tough um, uh, particularly when uh, there's been success in some areas. There's been challenges and and others. You know how to how do you pull back and and rebuild, um, and you know maintain trust. You know through that that process. Um, and Jason spoke uh, a little bit to how we've uh, approached that externally, but internally as well. Um, you know it, it's tough to come in and say we have all of the answers. Uh, so both went to our internal audience and externally uh, even more so, year one was really about listening, understanding what had worked, uh, what wasn't working, what was important, uh, what should be the priorities moving forward. Uh, and then you start making the investments and that's really what year two uh, and this disrupted year three uh, ended up being for us uh, in making those investments that are gonna set us up you know, for sustainable success. Uh, but with change, uh, you you have to you know, you know sell a story uh, and a vision, and that's a, a, a picture we've been you know doing our best to paint um, you know over the three years, and we use a lot of um, you know references to first class as an organization, world class in terms of a standard of of experience, uh, and we're working tirelessly you know to 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 drive towards those outcomes. Uh, and we can rely on um, you know others to to help us tell that story, and and we need um, you know those external voices to to pick up our our narratives and extend the reach and and deepen the impact. Uh, but one thing we learned coming you know out of nineteen, following a lot of those investments, is you know the awareness of what we've done and what we're creating. Um, you know, had not uh, extended as far or as deep as we needed to to start earning back uh, the trust and the investment and, and the support. Uh, so that's where a lot of our own content and our own storytelling has been focused uh, coming into 20 uh, through the disrupted year of, of 20 and will be a focus you know, moving to 21 about the plans that we have in motion on the baseball side, uh, on the experience side. Um, you know, really rallying this community around the brand, you know, how do we thread it, you know, into being a source of community pride uh, that's deserving of, you know, time and dollar now, uh, not tomorrow. I think it's, it was listening too. I mean, right. I mean, we, we walked in and, and, and we started right away with that year one, as Adam said, it was, it was a year to listen and it didn't just end at year one. Uh, it's continued uh, along the, this path with us where, you know, we, we don't want to go in and, and just change everything wholesale. I mean, these are things that we hear that, that fans, it's important to our fan base and it's important to members of our community that we have an affordable ticket option and that we have affordable food options within the ballpark and that we've got experiences for their kids on Sundays. Um, you know, just being able to listen and then being able to be responsive and have an ownership group that understands that along the way has been extremely beneficial um, just in the short amount of time. 
Yeah, Jason. I mean, it, when you talk about listening, it's a really easy thing to say, oh yeah, we listen, right? But it's, and it's one thing to put out a survey and ask fans for this and that, but to actually then take that feedback and take what you've listened to and implement it is a whole nother ball game. Uh, can you talk about just that process, right? And whether it's gaining trust internally to execute those types of things, um, you know, sometimes fan feedback is, is really pretty and sometimes it's ugly, right? And you got to kind of understand uh, who, who you want to listen to as well. Um, but just talk a little bit about that process. Yeah, so, so I, I think there's a few things that I always like to, to mention is, you know, I, I'm very proud of the transparency of this organization. Um, you know, when, when we first started with the current ownership group, um, Derek Jeter, the CEO, had a town hall. And if you go back and you read about the town hall, there's angles that were taken um, with the media. Um, that I certainly they took a lot of liberty, I think, but um, I thought it was a very productive town hall because I think that it was very honest and it was forthright. And there was a lot of great conversation that took place between the fans and attendance and with Derek. Um, and then you, you take that and, and, and we launched the Demolo campaign, which is, is talk to me um, and Adam, um, led the charge on that. And it was amazing success where um, we had, we did surveys where, yeah, it was um, to people directly. Um, but it was also, we had a video testimonial booth in the ballpark where folks could stop by on, on their way through the ballpark and actually answer questions, but also provide a video um, feedback to us, uh, whatever they like to talk about. And I can personally attest to the fact that Adam and Derek watched, if not all 99.9% .9 of those video testimonials in order to actually understand what the fans were going through and what they were experiencing and what they wanted to see out of their hometown team so that we could deliver that to them. Um, and as I said, that's now continued a little bit more in this in the survey situation. Um, but on from a social perspective, we're vigilant of that and we're vigilant of the sentiment and the feedback that comes in and we try to be as responsive as possible and as timely as possible with those responses um, so that we can maintain that relationship and that build that trust um, and be as transparent as we can with our fans and with the local residents here. Adam, anything to add on on the, the Demolo campaign and just, you know, look, Miami's not only is there a lot to do uh, and a lot going on, right? You're fighting for people's dollars, but it's also a very diverse audience, right? Where you have a lot of people from a lot of different places all congregating. And the hardest thing in, in sports and in life is to please everybody, right? You can't, you can't make everybody happy, but you can sure, sure try. Um, any, any additional thoughts there? Well, I mean, you talk to what is really a strength, but one of the incredible, you know, challenges or complexities of South Florida and the Miami market is, is its diversity uh, and in creating our new brand in November of, 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 of 18, um, you know, we committed ourselves to being reflective of that diversity and being authentically Miami and putting a stake in the ground and saying we are Miami. Uh, and there are easier paths forward, uh, but they uh, are not as inclusive as what we will tirelessly effort towards of being a brand uh, that where in this community, you know, there is not um, very often assimilation. Uh, people tend to hold on to, um, you know, their heritage and, and where they resided previously. 
we want to be that rallying point you know, for this community that unifies it and brings uh, it together. That is one of the unique roles that sport can play within a community. Uh, and we think that's an opportunity that remains open and available to us you know, here in, in South Florida and specifically in, in, in Miami. And there was a lot of content that we consumed in year one listening. Uh, and there was over 18 hours of video that I sat and, and watched and, and listened and, and absorbed. Uh, but as you said, you know, Jake, uh, listening is one thing, um, but to really earn the trust, you have to play back that you heard them. Uh, and we did play that back. Uh, but action is speaks a whole lot more than our words in terms of how we then put into motion our plans and refined and evolved our plans based on on what we were hearing. Uh, and so to Jason's point, you know, what we created in terms of a brand, what we've created in terms of experience, what we've made sure is an accessible, affordable product uh, for everyone in South Florida, we're all born or validated out of, you know, that year one feedback. And what we learned and how important it was to our path forward is why it has become just a, a core element of, of how we're going to do business moving forward and how we've continued to collect feedback moving forward and would say the amount of organic inbound feedback that we're now earning. Uh, I, I put some weight on validating that we're starting to earn the trust of this community, that it's worth their time to give us the input and the feedback uh, because they're invested or vested in what we're creating and wanna be part of that moving forward. Yeah, one of the things I would add to that and, and either of you can answer this, but I think you know when you take the personalities of the team, the diversity of the team and relate it back to the fans, Right. There's certain fans that are connect, going to connect with certain players, certain personalities of the team. How do you go about understanding, you know, the motion and, and the direction of the player side to understand, hey, what's what's in the pipeline? Who's coming up? Um, who's going to be, you know, the next star? How can we take advantage of that story along with growing our fan base to further connect, you know, our fans to not only just the major league team, but the organization as a whole? Uh, how do you go about that storytelling piece? Very carefully. <laughs> a lot of discussion about that. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, the, the, the organization is judged ultimately on wins and losses at the major league level. Um, but our success is dependent upon our entire major league system. I'm sorry, our entire organizational system, which goes down to the minor leagues as well in our player development. Um, so, you know, what, what we have focused on um, since I've been here um, has, has been to tell that story of, you know, how are we scouting and developing these players or bringing them in? What does it mean? What are we, what are we doing now to develop into major league players? And, you know, we, we've spent a great deal. Um, our ownership group has invested heavily in that player development key. Um, we wanted to make sure we talked about that. So um, be it our increased education program uh, where our players are taking English and Spanish classes, um, be it our uh, advanced analytics now that we have, um, I think more than quadrupled uh, since new ownership came in. So, you know, these are, these are little stories that we can tell that accumulate up that kind of tell the whole track of the players that you want to get to know when they're fresh into the system. Um, Baseball is so much different than other sports where there's not a lot of instant gratification where a player gets drafted and 
you see them on the court or on the field uh, week one. Uh, this takes a lot longer for these guys to, to make their way through. So we want, we want our fans to get, you know, get to know the players very young. Um, we spend time, uh, fortunately, we're Jupiter, our, our player development complex is an hour and a half north of us. Uh, which is an advantage for us. And not, not a lot of teams have that same advantage. So we can spend days and, and weeks up there really um, bringing our players closer to our fans uh, through our digital content. And then, you know, we want to carry that through right into spring training and into the regular season, then where you massage everybody up to the major league level. And you've got the players that you want them to, to be an actual fan of, right? Not just the fact that they can make a play on that third base or a great catch in the outfield or, you know, throw hundred miles an hour, but you want them to get to know the player themselves and what their interests are and that they might be a shoe guy, or they might really be into cars, or they might really like dogs, you know, whatever that is that you can find that connection point between the fan and the player. Um, we want to make that connection as much as possible so that you, you're a fan of that person. And in, in, in essence, then you're a fan of the brand and, and, and you come in and you experience Marlins baseball, which kind of brings it full circle to what we've been talking about as, as far as we are in entertainment and an experience. So once you're in that family and you understand what's going on, you really want to hang out with us more. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's, it's getting to know these guys um, from very young. And, and it's, I, think, I think we've had some success now. Um, and I think that as, as we create this more sustainable um, mechanism here that, that fans will, will really want to latch on and want to get to know as many of these guys as possible. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I appreciate you bringing that full circle. As we wrap up the episode, let's get to know you both a little bit more with some rapid fire because uh, I always enjoy this session. Um, you know, Adam, you were an adjunct professor at one point. Favorite part about teaching? Exams. <laughs> Exams. Getting the feedback, you know, did they understand, did they retain, could they play back uh, the, the concepts and then add their own perspectives. Uh, so testing is as uncomfortable as it is for, for everyone, uh, ultimately was that measuring stick of, of progress. Adam, Adam enjoyed the grading. Wow. Uh, Jason, you know, the, the, the political landscape, obviously a, a different one from a career path perspective. What's one thing you learned from that experience? So uh, I, I'm going to give a minor clarification because um, it was important. So I was not in politics, but I was in government. It's okay. It's okay. As an apolitical um, office in the supervisor of elections office in Pinellas County, um, what was it? it? Was one thing that I took from that? Yeah. From a communication standpoint, it's all the same. Um, you know, I, I address that job just as I did when I worked for the Rays, and that I do now when I work for the Marlins. And it's finding that story and it's finding the connection so that um, people really want to to dig in and want to invest in what you have to say and, and learn more. Um, there's a big education component that exists in elections, and I think we're seeing that right now. And what's been reported and, and born out of out of this current election season and um, you know if people really uh, really can tune in 365 days a year to that uh, it's really going to improve their lives um, so I take the shameless plug that just as much as you care about voting for the president of the United States uh, in 26 and 2020 um, that you should vote in your next municipal election uh, and consider uh, your options and educate yourself just as much. No, that's great. Adam, throwing it back to you. What's the, what's the biggest thing you've learned from Derek Jeter? 
Uh, it has to be integrity. Uh, not, not that that wasn't already an area of focus for me, but uh, seeing uh, him model that and uh, hold himself uh, accountable to the way he approaches himself professionally, personally, um, you know, the, the integrity of, of self and then what we're creating in terms of integrity within our business. Uh, we're not going to compromise, you know, those standards, uh, even as we face challenges, have to rip up, you know, uh, our year three playbook and completely, um, you know, change our, our path forward given the, the global pandemic, but it's, it's integrity uh, within, you know, our, our leadership. Jason, do you have a, a favorite social media platform? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a Twitter junkie myself. Um, I get lost in the wormhole of Twitter uh, many nights. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, listen, I, I think they all hold uh, different advantages. Um, Instagram is, I would say, a very close second uh, for me. Uh, I have not, um, I, I haven't allowed myself to, to invest my life into TikTok. Uh, as much as some of the other members of the universe. I'm but, not sure uh, I want to see you invest in. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you can, well, you can find me a lot on Twitter and, and LinkedIn. Jason, what, what's the one you could totally do without? You could, you could delete from your phone everything. You know what? I, I'm going to be honest. I don't even have a public Facebook um, profile. I have kind of a, a ghost Facebook profile. Um, so I'm, I'm good in that realm. Uh, but um you know i don't want to besmirch uh, bad the, the, the great things that actually happen there and the, the groups and the conversations that, that take place there sure adam you mentioned uh, you traveled a lot uh with pwc did you have a favorite airport Ooh, uh, you know i resided in the tampa area while i was doing all that travel that airport in terms of ease of access in and out uh, really can't be, be beat. Um, did a lot of hours sitting in Atlanta, uh, but uh, will not put it at the top of my list. <laughs> so I'm going to flip that one. What's the worst airport? Well, not, as Jason said, you don't want to besmirch uh, <laughs> institutions, but uh, New York is aware of the infrastructure needed within uh, its, its commercial airports. Yeah, those are definitely not the easiest to get in and out of, but I, I think that's probably the one thing people would judge is, is within an airport is how long does it take me to get through and out, right? I mean, obviously there's the amenities, but time is key. Um, Jason, as you think about, uh, you know, obviously you, you rebranded from Florida to Miami Marlins, um, you know, what's your favorite logo that exists outside of the Marlins? Oh, wow. That's a good question, Jake. Because you've had a couple. You've worked. I mean, the Yankees are obviously classic. So yeah, that, I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, uh, I, I I always had a fondness. I, so I grew up in the Tampa area, and I you know I was a season ticket holder of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays their first year, and I know that's a very eccentric logo, um, but I was actually a very big fan of that logo. Um, and the old Florida logo as well. Um, I mean, I'm sad love what we're, what we're doing here now, but um, you know, there's, there's some nostalgia that still exists. Um, if you go outside of sports, um, you know, I, I love just anything, the, the clean and Christmas of um, corp, some of the corporate logos that exist. And I love the recognizable um, factor and even something as simple as Apple. Uh, but I think simplicity breeds um, 
recognizable uh, features that that you know that the consumers respond to. But that's a very good question. I have to give that some thought, Jake. I'll send you an email. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, Adam. Let's wrap up with you. Um, you know, as you think about the different experiences you've had, what's the biggest um, thing that people wouldn't understand about sports from a global perspective? Uh, as you know, yes, you work domestically a lot, but um, sports truly is a global entity and, and a global sport, you know, in terms of the entertainment product. What's the one biggest thing people wouldn't understand? There, there's so many similarities yet dissimilarities with sport on a global basis outside of, you know, the, the, the U.S. I, I think the, the, the biggest one is the international presence uh, that exists within the commercial models outside of the, the U.S. We, even with the amount of um, international brands that are now activating against U.S. properties, when you look across Europe and, and Asia uh, and even into South America, just the the, the, the global reach of, of their brand partners uh, and the brands that are activating in, uh, against those properties, uh, it, it changes the dynamic in terms of how their commercial models are, are, are set up. Uh, media rights is another big one uh, where we are almost wholly reliant on our domestic rights where all of those other global properties uh, rely on uh, their reach uh, to be able to monetize uh, at the levels that they they do, and then fandom uh, is probably the last one that I'd I'd recognize recognize and you know the the stickiness of of fans and the generational nature of of fandom um, in uh, those those other territories, uh, but also how again much more reliant those global properties are are on non-local fandom uh, to be able to scale and, and generate uh, the, the business and the enterprise that they, they have. Um, North America is very unique and you know, I spend years sizing the entire global market, but particularly the North American market while at, at, at PwC. Um, and you know, there's a lot of things that, that positions us to do here that are not done elsewhere, but yet puts us behind the curve in terms of recognizing that this is a global market now. Uh, and so there are things as an industry here in the States or North America uh, more holistically that we need to do to continue to get further out on and in front of the curve uh, in recognizing that global community. We could do a whole nother episode on that, I think. Um, you know, last, last question, because I did lie, uh, last question. Uh, if you know, with everything that you've got going on in the ballpark, what is your go-to food spot within the ballpark? What are you eating? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, Miami's best pizza. You gotta tell that story, or no? I just think I gotta go with Miami's best pizza. There's not really a story. It's just you know, it's. So we know Jason's favorite food is pizza. Adam, what do you got? Well, uh, you know, having been involved in curating what we've created in a reimagined food and beverage experience, they're all like children at this point, but uh, I'm going to go with the concept we've created that is a rotating one with the change up. Um, a lot of our fans have yet to discover it, but we bring a lot of local brands and a lot of test concepts into that on a rotating basis over the course of a year. 
Uh, and for those of us who are here on a regular basis, it's the variety that we desperately need uh, across 81 plus states of, uh, of baseball. Uh, so from being able to get uh, a Panko Lechon and having it being authentic to Miami, to getting an Asian fusion concept in there, to uh, a slider concept, uh, there's a lot of you know, great variety we've been able to bring in to that, as well as showcase a lot of great up and coming uh, local restaurateurs in that location. Oh, that's great. Jason, sounds like you need a little diversity on the pizza end. The change was a much better answer. Um, you know, I, I don't make it down to the concourse as much as I would like to. Um, but uh, but I, I, that, that, that was a much better answer. And, uh, and he's, he's correct because uh, there were some chicken wings that got in there last year that were dynamite. Awesome. Well, thank you both for your, your time, your thoughts, your, your perspectives, your insights, um, your storytelling, and, you know, appreciate you taking the, the opportunity to be a part of this, uh, you know, series with uh, Sports Business Insights from Gator Nation, uh, being double Gators and double Marlins. So appreciate it, Adam and Jason. Thank you. Our pleasure, Jake. Go right, Gators. Thank you. Yeah, go Gators.